0: Welcome to Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio Thursday edition with Nurse Michelle. I hope that several of you were participants in the online worldwide audience that tuned into the Healing for the Ages event in Dallas, Texas a couple of weeks ago that was hosted by Looking for um, Health Radio that comes on right after Nurses Out Loud at 11 a.m. Eastern. If you were not able to tune in We nurses will be sharing with you links where you can purchase access to all the incredible education that we all got from Dr. Brian Artis, Dr. Jana Schmidt, Dr. Henry Ely, and Dr. Group. They're the ones who hosted the event and provided unbelievable knowledge for all of us to better understand how we can confront the post-COVID era medical dilemmas that the American people and the world are facing. This was an invaluable event. Make sure to keep an eye on our show notes so that you can find links to purchase access to this knowledge and obviously pay attention to what these good doctors are doing on their show that will be doing the same thing. I am I met a lot of wonderful people at this event. And just like I do at every one of these events that has to do with medical freedom, anyone that's listening in the audience needs to do what they can to try and attend these events when they are within a reasonable drive of your home. They are not not only are there wonderful vendors that are there as well, but you're always going to get a chance to meet a lot of the people from the show on America Out Loud news as well. I got to meet for the second time a retired attorney, Sally Saxon, at her booth where she was selling her book, The COVID-19 Vaccines and Beyond. And what the medical industrial complex is not telling us, she co-authored the book with Dr. Deborah I'm going to say, try to say it correctly, Viglione, but the proper Italian is more closely something like Viglione. And I, I, I can't do it. I'll have to make her do it for us. And, uh, and Dr. James Thorpe also is um, on that, as well as one of the authors. And today I have as a special guest on Nurses Out Loud the uh, attorney, uh, Sally Saxon, and do- Dr. Deborah Viglione. Uh, America Out Loud. I'll, very own Dr. Peter McCullough endorsed this book saying, it is a single authoritative, highly cited, evidence-based monograph on the COVID-19 vaccines. Comprehensive yet concise that everyone is seeking to understand the mind-blowing reality that government agencies are not protecting Americans, nor are they acting in our best interests. This fast reading text Will serve as an invaluable guide. This topic is bound to resurface in the next few years. And also, Steve Kirsch, founder of the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation, said of this book a lot of people will find this book difficult to believe because it revealed evidence that does not comport with their beliefs. Those who are courageous enough to confront the evidence that is hidden in plain sight will be richly rewarded with an entirely new perspective on what might be really going on, it would be hard to read this book and not come to the realization that we've been lied to and that the only way this is going to end is with the call to action articulated at the very end of this book. That's why it's so important that every doctor in America read this book and speak publicly about what they are seeing in their own practices these are endorsements, there are endorsements also from multiple other names that we all recognize and respect, like Dr. Richard Bartlett, Dr. Richard Urso, and America Outlouds own Dr. Brian Artis, and many more. I'm so honored to have both of these ladies here today, and I welcome you both here. I'd love for each of you to start with introducing yourself and tell a little bit about your background and what brought you to the place where you felt it's imperative to make sure that this book got published. And we'll start with attorney Sally Saxon. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to publish this book?
3: All right. Well, thank you uh, so much, Nurse Michelle. We really appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and share with your audience. And thank you so much for the uh en- endorsements you just read. Um, you know, I, I think you know it really helps people to get an idea of you know what the experts are saying and I have to say that I never started out to write a book just on this subject. It just kind of fell into place, which Deb and I can expound on a little bit. Um, but you know, sometimes God has a big, a much bigger vision than you do for something that you, you know, started as just a small little project. But uh, yes, I'm a former attorney. Uh, I used to practice in Seattle, Washington. I was in the litigation department of a of a big law firm there, and and kind of burned out on that, and uh, started my own practice. Had that for a few years, doing something else and real estate related stuff, and burned out. You know, I think I never recovered from the first burnout, and just started doing other things. And and but I was always interested in research and and writing. You know, I was I seemed to you know do well at that, and so uh, <clears throat> I've done various other things since and. I was in the middle of, uh, in early 22, I was in the middle of updating a book I'd written a few years earlier called Globalists on Trial. It's about the hidden agenda to destroy America from within. And I was updating that and I was going to include a couple chapters on COVID, including one on the vaccines. And so as I was doing more research on that, you know, I got really more disturbed about you know, what I was uh, finding and I thought, gee, I should really put this information together in a little report. Maybe run it off on my laser printer and hand it out to some local doctors or healthcare providers. And so I I started putting something together. And and then you know the more that I researched, and then also heard the interviews with people who were vax injured, they're so heartbreaking and and gut wrenching in some cases. That I thought, you know, I got to do something here, and what could I do? So I'd already started the research, and that's so that little report uh, grew into uh, a booklet, and that little booklet grew into a much bigger booklet, and uh, and so at that point I realized this was like last summer that mm, I need to get some medical critique of this to make sure that what I'm saying you know, is, is correct and accurate. And, you know, is there a better approach for medical professionals and so forth? And so that's when I got introduced to, uh, to Deb, Dr. Deb, and I'll let her take it from there uh, because that's her part of the story. Okay.
2: Well, it was interesting. There was a, um, what was the name of the event Sally that was at your church? It uh it was the gen- Save the Generation tour, I believe. Save the Generation tour ended up at her church, and I was familiar with their church, and I actually loved their church. And I said, "Well, I need to go out there." And I went out there, and at the after party, I saw two people that I recognized, but I couldn't place them. And it turned out they were the pastors of the church. And so I went up and reintroduced myself because I hadn't been there in ten years, and that kind of we reconnected. Well, the next thing I get is a text message from uh, the pastor saying, hey, there's somebody in our church that needs some help on some medical stuff. Would you be willing to talk to her? And this pastor, I mean, this church, this pastors they're, they're incredible. And there's no way I'm going to tell this person, no, I don't have time for it. So I said, sure, you know, give her my information. So Sally and I had an initial chat about her booklet and i said well can you just send it to me because it sounded like too much to like look at online so she overnights it she's two hours away i get it the next day and you know (laughs) every everything that we were looking at in 2020 right all the podcasts the things that come out were we're like you know so hungry for information and we're watching these things but did I write down the source? Did I write anything down? No, you know, she literally cataloged it all. She had every person that talked, every resource. I'm like blown away. It's not organized really well, but it's there. And she goes, well, I thought I would just go to hospitals and hand it to people. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so not gonna work. <laughs> you know? and, and I, you know, so I said, listen, do you mind if I show this to one of my colleagues? And she goes, no, fine. So I went over to Jim Thorpe's house and I handed him this and said, look at this. And his, he did the like kind of stuff. And because um, it had so I much said, content, it was so valuable. Is that it, what he it was so incredible? You know, I mean, it. None of us. I mean, you're. we needed God called a retired person. He called you. He called her because those of us in the active work field don't have time to do what she did. Dr. McCullen, you know, he's amazing. He cites research, but to catalog everything that came out, she'd done that. So Jim's like, this is amazing. I said, well, Jim, do you want to help her? And he goes, yes, I do. And so I said, okay, let's get going and it morphed into you know trying to organize it like i told sally i said we've got to hit them with data doctors are not going to believe anything but data so we have to hit them with true hard facts out front you know reference it and then you get their attention and then we can move in to more because sally wanted to start with a big picture i said no they'll throw it out mm-hmm. you know and, and the people that don't understand they trust the government oh my like, god i was talking to people today who've taken every vaccine there is asking about the RSV. I said, you cannot trust them. They don't tell you what's in them. You have to say no to anything injectable at this point. But anyway, so that's how it started. And Sally and I were literally on Zooms or talking back and forth for months, you know, figuring this out. And and then we decided, well, we're gonna publish it in a journal. But then it was like, yeah, but we need to make it in a book so the general public can you know resources so it ended up in a four-part series in a medical peer-reviewed journal but also in a book so that the public could get it and it was a ton of work <laughs> what was yeah. the medical
0: journal that it was published in
2: uh what is it?
3: that of medical sciences
2: it's a rather new peer-reviewed journal that i think actually started in 2020 but jim has published extensively in it because it was a journal that's actually open they are not censoring and as long as, you know, and they have a peer reviewed process, but they're like, this is important information. We need to get it out. They've been very receptive. Like Jim and I published, well, Jim's published stuff, but we published our COVID protocol in that um, journal as well. They are not censoring it. They want the truth to come out.
0: That is really. The set incredible.
2: of medical sciences. And
0: it's not censored because they're open to this kind of um, information. Right.
3: Yeah. In so fact, that- I was very surprised when they um when they accepted it and um you know it gave them the kind of uh, the synopsis of the the whole series at the beginning but I think it was after they had only seen one part of it that you know they accepted it I thought well we better wait for them to see the whole thing you know before they really accept it um and it it was funny because one of the reviewers whom we don't know who it is said something to the effect that Wow, it really takes a lot of nerve to, to publish something like this, and it's like, oh, if you only knew. I mean, I at, at the very beginning, I really had some doubts whether I wanted to put my own name on it, and uh, you know, well, it was the, dangerous, Sally. I mean, yeah, back
2: yeah, then, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, and and but I really felt, that, you know, the Lord saying, no, put your name on it, and then you know, when Deb and Jim got involved. Um, now mind you, I didn't, I didn't know them at all. I didn't know who they knew. I didn't know who they were or anything like that. And, uh, you know, I didn't know we were going to end up with all these endorsements from people like you mentioned. And it just, it was a God thing that it all, you know, came together, but you know, I want to say something that... <laughs> That I didn't quite have everything cataloged. Uh, really, the the book is was more of an overview. It's comprehensive. It covers a lot of of the key issues surrounding the vaccines, but uh, it, it's more of an overview of all those issues. Just so people get enough evidence, you know, either like from CDC. Own documents or data, or Pfizer's documents or data—you know, official kind of stuff. To the extent we could include that, you know, we we put that in, give them enough evidence on each of these points for them to be able to say, like, for people to look and say, "Gee, you know, there's something wrong with this picture." You know, somebody's lying here. And you know, I raised at the at the very beginning the issue of, you know, well, how do you know who to believe? And, and one test is, you know, if somebody is taking a certain, who takes a certain stand or position on an issue, stands to lose something very valuable by taking that position, you can probably believe what they say much more than somebody who, when they take a certain position, they stand to gain a lot, like whether it's money, reputation, you know, fame position or
0: whatever. That's what, be very...
3: like,
0: that's what I feel like was it became a discerning moment for me through this entire experience was who do you decide you're going to trust? Who are you going to get the information from? Because I, I was more than half of a hundred years old and had never had a pandemic happen in my life. And that's probably true for you as well, Sally, that uh, and Deb, that y'all did not have that happen to you. So obviously it's a wake up to say, okay, who can I trust? and it literally became a discernment in who looks like they are risking everything to tell us something that looks like it's very valuable very simple they don't look like they have anything to gain in telling me this so i think i'm going to trust you right now you're sound- and now that i look back on that first year I now see that all those doctors who I was trusting became the the stalwart, the ones who are now just on the front lines fighting for the American people and losing everything, losing their licenses, sometimes having cases brought against them. And even though they are, they will not be silenced. And even when I started getting threatened, I was like, oh, you want to threaten to take my license away? Do you think I'm going to stop talking just because you do that? You know, no, people
2: do. I mean, you know, that's why they kept silent. But, you know, what was so beautiful about that when we had it all written, Sally's like, do you think you could get some of your colleagues to endorse it? So what did I do? I sent it to Peter McCulloch because I said, if he doesn't approve, then we're toast. (laughs) And he calls me up and he says, do you want me to write the back cover? And I'm like, what do you mean by that, Peter? He says, like, I'll endorse it and write the whole back cover. I started to cry. I was like, that's so awesome. You know, and he's and he told me, he says, I have it in my clinic. I said he he called it a monograph, but he said nobody's done this. It is the most awesome resource for people so that they can go look it up and decide for themselves. You know, hey, is this truth or is this not truth? You know, the the CDC and Fauci and the NIH said it's science. Just trust us. We're the science. No, there was no science behind any of that. You know, the public was completely misled. Yeah, we are definitely a,
0: a a population of people that are used to people speaking from the position of authority as a form of logic, like just because you are the teacher, you must be right. Just because you are the person in the white coat, you must be right. When there's this thing called I shop around for my doctors and I get second opinions. And when you go to a court, there's always going to let like, you could have the Yale specialist on one side and the Harvard specialist on the other side and the jury decides in the end which specialist they think is actually the correct one. And you're the lawyer, Sally. So, you know, that's exactly
2: what it is. There's always more than one opinion. So beautiful about the book because she's doing it from the perspective of an attorney talking to a jury and the audience is the jury. Who are you going to believe? And she asks questions along the way. I just, I just love the way it's structured.
0: Yeah. I think Socratic, the way that I dealt with when I published my uh, vaccine questions for the public Um, to help them make a decision. I did it Socratically like that as well. So that there was a question that I asked the public, do you know that there is a vaccine adverse event reporting system? And I would give the link to it. Okay. If there is a vaccine adverse reporting system, it must mean that there are adverse events that occur with vaccines. So how often do those happen and and how much are getting reported? (laughs) And oh, only 1% are actually getting reported. Oh, and this number is only like right now we have two over 2 million documented p- permanently injured people from the covid vaccine if that's only 1% that's a nightmare catastrophe happening in our country and just to bring that reasoning to the public to say did you ask yourself this sounds like that's what you you were doing
3: yeah and you know there are there's uh, a few sh- short chapters and it does have a lot of short chapters by the way which makes it easier to read you know for people I've had some people Comment they'd really like that uh, for the most part. But there's there's a few short ones on, on VARES, on the the reporting system, the adverse events, and and just the the problems with that whole system. Like how much is not reported, like you were saying. Uh, but also, like for example, uh, we had one of the, the top VARS experts in the world, Albert Benavides, whom I'm not sure if you know. Albert uh, Nurse Michelle, but he's a, he's a great guy. I mean, he's the go-to guy for really digging deep into all the parents' records and and uh, finding all the problems with them. But uh, like he said, for example, that okay, when Verris publishes like a serious injury from the vaccine, and then later that person dies. And the family or doctor, whoever, submits an update saying, okay, this person died. You know, now, theirs does not report the death. What? So, yeah, they they don't report any of the updated information. Only, may, well, they don't even report all the, or they don't publish all of the reported, all the reports they get. They and that's one of the problems they should, but they don't because the numbers in this case get too high and uh, they're trying to keep the numbers down. And he so validated
0: that? he would validate that they would do it for the sake of keeping the numbers down.
3: Well, I mean, it appears because of the magnitude of the, the numbers, like, you know, all these people published or sent in the reports, but they were never published. Why? Why is that? You know, so Albert, he's the one who can answer a lot of those questions because he digs deep and finds these strange anomalies, like why aren't they doing this or what happened to these records, and and so forth. So there was, you know, there's a lot of funny things going on with that whole system. That, uh, like you say, uh, the underreporting factor is, is a huge one and there have been different estimates, you know, by different people, uh, you know, the the one out of 100, the 1% is one factor. And actually, Albert suggests that, yeah, that's probably more accurate than maybe, you know, some of the other experts who've calculated like a 30 or 40, 41% factor, but take any of those
0: 30, 41%, you know. Accurate. Right. It's not accurate. They're not yeah. 100% of the accurate data. That's That's what's so disturbing. I'm not sure if I mentioned to either one of you that I've been in the federal vaccine court for seven years with a a vaccine injured daughter. So Mm. my lawyer left me after about um, three or four years in because we could not find an expert willing to testify to all the mechanisms of injury of her vaccine because people think that lack of bravery in doctors just started during COVID, but it was a problem before this because no doctor wanted their name on a vaccine federal case, because if they put their name on a vaccine federal case that you actually validate that this kid had a chickenpox vaccine and she has these 10 diagnoses. Now she lost her ability. My daughter got a dementia diagnosis at 16 years old. You know, she went from the ability to be able to read and write and do bit and do algebra two to couldn't add or subtract anymore and couldn't read anymore. And those were just some of her minor problems. So, you know, major diagnoses that they they want to make it anything else but that. And it's the same. What's so ironic about what's happening with the COVID-19 vaccine injured is when they were first all coming out, I wanted to make sure that they understood that um, there is a community of people that are waiting and ready that can help you. And it's called the anti-vaxxers. And we are out there because we've already existed before this. And you've got to stop saying that you're not an anti-vaxxer and that you, you're you pro-vaccine, you think vaccines are great, and you just took this vaccine because you thought it was great. Do not isolate yourself from us, because we are the ones that have already been fighting this battle for decades before you came on the scene, and we're going to be probably the place where you find your solutions. And now a lot of those severely vaccine-injured are our speaking points in the anti-vax community, a, a badge I wear honorably. And I remind yeah. people that there's, there's a few ways that an anti-vaxxer is made you either have an injured, permanently handicapped or dead child. That's how. So so um, back off. If you think that, you know, you, you're calling me names and trying to interrogate me, there's a way that they're made that way. And then the other lucky people who were fortunate enough to know somebody that fell in that category who said, I don't want that to happen to my children. I'm going to read in advance. And they became educated. So yeah. people just don't realize that.
2: Yeah. And, and you, you just know, like, I, yeah. I took an elderly couple today. I said, you can't trust them anymore. You know, I was not an anti-vaxxer. You know, I thought you guys were weird, you know, and that it was just a small amount of people, but I have become completely educated. I will never take another shot again. And I tell my patients, do not do it.
3: Yeah, have and another, another quick quick point about the reporting by doctors or other healthcare providers of a vaccine injury, or even a suspected vaccine injury. They have a legal obligation to report, and yet they're intimidated and sort of threatened in some cases not to report. They can get in trouble for doing that even though they have a legal obligation.
0: Yes, and we are going to pick back up with that when we come back from the break. We're going to take a momentary commercial break and we will address these issues when we come back and talk some more about what is in this book. So until we return,
2: it's time.
1: Hey everyone, Nurse Kimberly Overton here from Nurses Out Loud. Over time, our cell signaling molecules diminished, leaving us vulnerable to the wear and tear of life. With the sea of redox, you can restore and revitalize your body at the cellular level. This is an incredible product that I personally use and can attest to seeing fantastic results, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. ASEA supports your immune system, enhancing your body's natural ability to repair itself. It promotes overall well-being so that you can experience a new level of vitality and resilience. It's time to take control of your health and experience the power of ASEA. Visit our online store today at americaoutloud.shop and use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15%. Be sure to tune in to Nurses Out Loud Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. out loud. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk League. It's a fight for the soul of humanity.
0: Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud. I'm here with Dr. Deborah Viglioni and um, retired attorney Sally Saxon, and we're discussing their book, COVID-19 Vaccines and Beyond, What the Medical Industrial Complex is Not Telling Us, and how important it is that all of you get these books. Purchase this book and make sure it is in the face of your doctor. We want to make sure that people have this If you think you have one of the good guys that just wasn't bold enough to do what they should have done during the COVID-19 vaccine rollout and during the pandemic, this is the book you want to go ahead and get to them. You may be literally changing the face of your community for the good by doing so. So welcome back, ladies. I wanted to go to the title of each of the chapters. There's four chapters and part one is not vaccines, not necessary, and not justified. Why don't we tell everybody a little bit about what that chapter is about? Okay, um,
3: sure. Well, as as we all know, they they gave these shots the label of vaccine for reasons that um, you know were not valid. Uh, you know, one having to do with they wanted to bring it under the umbrella for the liability protection, and they knew it would be more easily accepted by the public, if you call it a vaccine, because we're used to that, that term, and, you know, for other reasons, but the evidence says, no, they're, they're not vaccines. And, um, and uh, so that was a big issue. But the bigger issue of part one has to do with, was a vaccine really even necessary in the first place? And so we, we approached that from different angles, looking at the survival rate even posted by the cdc in 2020 the survival rate from covid which for everyone under 70 it was at least like 99.9 you know something percent or 99 point something percent and and then even for people 70 and older it was still like 95 point something percent survival rate and uh and so that that was an issue, and then we looked at the 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 um, death rates, which and the death data, and how they highly exaggerated that because of the way that they reported things. And it was interesting. The book talks about a uh, if the two thousand there was a two thousand three kind of standard or directive for how deaths should be reported from things. Uh, that the CDC had issued, but in 2020, March of 2020, they changed that, you know, as we know, to kind of allow doctors uh, to, uh, and kind of pressure doctors to put COVID down as the cause of death, even when it wasn't. And so what it did was, you know, cause the the death rate that we heard reported on the news, uh, the major news, to go sky high, when in fact, even on the CDC's own website, it, they said, well, it's only 6% of these numbers are from COVID, people died from COVID. And that was the exact number that a, a group of uh, experts came up with when they studied. If they had applied the 2003 standard and definition and for determining what should be on the death certificate, it would have only been about 6% of the deaths that were reported.
0: Is
2: that, things like that
0: included in that chapter that shows how they were actually guiding hospitals to calculate the deaths and write it on the death certificate? Do you include that? Yeah. Yeah, we do. People and then, still don't like, believe that actually happened.
2: No, it actually did. If they had, well, they tested everybody and we know that there were issues with testing, but if they tested for COVID and they came in with a car accident, it got recorded as COVID, right? And then if they died, it was COVID.
0: Okay, yeah, because that's the thing is, there's people who still say, "Is that actually provable?" No, it's it, and they also ask, "Is it really provable that the hospitals got money?" Oh yes, sacrificed? they did. And Absolutely. do y'all have that citation by chance in there? Um, we um, we
3: do talk about some of the financial. Incentives that they got. We didn't go into detail in that, though.
2: Yeah, I know it was about thirty-five thousand. Wait, is it 30, 35,000 I think for for ventilators. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, and that stuff is actually true. And they were providing money towards funeral expenses with you had COVID on the death certificate.
0: Right, I do remember that. okay, so part two says dangers and great harm caused by the shots. So what kind of things are y'all discussing during that one? Okay, so on
3: that one, uh we take we we include uh, some of the data uh from different um for different people groups like pregnant women. you know Jim Thorpe wrote a whole section on on that the impacts on pregnant women with the miscarriages and the stillbirths and just, you know, the looking again, using their own data plus other information uh, more current information at that point from hospitals and reported by some of the whistleblower doctors uh, who, you know, would report these, these incredible rates of stillbirth that hadn't had never been seen before. And then we talk about impacts on the military, uh, and so a lot of not just the uh, in, the significant increase in diseases over a a, pre- a prior five year baseline period um, that occurred starting in 2021. Uh, you know, things just really took off. We, so we not only include the data, but just some of the other information about what was going on in the, with the military. And on my website, uh, SallySaxon.com, there's also a, a link there people can go to, to if they want to read other military affidavits from whistleblowers concerning these things, like from Dr. Teresa Long, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long, uh, and some other uh, military whistleblowers uh, we've got some of their
0: uh declarations and affidavits there and then it's wonderful and i know that deborah has a nephew that did something wonderful for the sake of the air force tell us about that
2: well my nephew is hunter doster he was a second lieutenant felt very convicted um, from a religious standpoint that he was not going to put this vaccine into his body well i don't even want to call it a vaccine uh primarily because of the aborted fetal cell issue but also for his body being a temple of the Lord, and it wasn't studied. And, you know, if, if you dig, you'll find out that they knew that this was gonna harm people. And so he's not going to put harm into his temple. And he brought on the whole class action suit, had colonels actually testifying in court. He won and won the whole stay and the support of the religious exemption in the Air Force, which now has, you know, helped the other armed forces come along but as a second lieutenant that was so brave of him you know and i was i was his aunt and i was in the military so i was supporting him and cheering him on the whole way but i'm so proud of him
0: We are, too. And I mean, really, the whole country should be thanking him. I hope that there's going to be a place sometime in history that there is actually going to be recognized honors for what actually did do for those who were brave enough to step up and do something, no matter what their position was in our society. So that is just amazing. I love it. Um, So we've had a lot of military people come on America Out Loud telling telling us about what all happened to them, like the um, U.S. Coast Guard letting us know. 2000 men walking 2000 soldiers walking away to avoid this mandate, and that their positions were not even filled after they left because there weren't people eager to sign back up for the same reason. So what a dilemma that our country has been in that is a huge tragedy and a risk to our national security as well. So going on with the dangers and the great harm of the shots, um, I know that they we often hear a lot about the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines because of their mRNA, but I remind people who think that they're safe because they only got the one Johnson and Johnson. I remind them that you got the one that's been pulled off the market because of its fatality rate. So do y'all address the both all three of the types or even more of them?
3: Um yeah, in different ways. Um we do have a chapter about the problems with the Johnson and Johnson shots, and, and that really stems, you know, well partly from the manufacturing processes, and which we also discuss you know with regard to Pfizer. Uh, uh, Sasha Latapova had some great research uh, that we quoted extensively in here about the manu- problems with the manufacturing process and the differences between, you know, what would normally happen, in the manufacturing process and how these uh, vaccines were handled in that process. But, uh, you know, so we talk about the Johnson Johnson uh, ones and the problems they had and the recalls and, and, you know, other, other problems. And it really, I mean, just reading that part alone, uh, you know, should make somebody wonder like, Oh my goodness, you know, uh, should we, do we want to be putting these things in our bodies?
0: Yeah. And as Dr. McCullough has brought to the attention of the uh, world is that it looks like one third of the population that got the vaccines didn't have any kind of symptoms whatsoever. And they're the ones that I think we're hearing from the most. It says, I'm fine. And it all worked out fine for me. But he's implied as much to say that we don't even know if it was just literally saline that they got. We don't even know what actually was in some of these vaccines. It doesn't look like it was consistent across the board. And that right. some people literally may have gotten inert Vaccines, maybe it wasn't kept at the right temperature, and it was inert by the time it was injected into them, or it was injected wrong, or something like that. So yeah,
3: we we really don't know for sure if it was saline solution or some other reason, like you just said. But yeah, and we do cover some of that data. Uh, obviously, the book was was published before the more recent uh, Schmeling you know, study that came out, where uh, that you you just mentioned that Dr. McCullough uh, sites about, you know, I think it was 30% of the people didn't seem to have any major adverse effect at all. Uh, and why is that? Uh, but, but even Sasha Ledpova's and the team Enigma's, uh, research <clears throat> from like, you know, 2021 kind of went into the big discrepancies, you know, between different batches and how, you know, people got different things. You know, they may have gotten, uh, all gotten the Pfizer vaccine, but there was a wide variation, which there should never be in these kinds of things. There there was a wide variation of uh, adverse events. And most of the, uh, you know, most of the, uh, the serious adverse events, including death, came from a relatively small
0: proportion of the vaccines. And for those who don't know this, there is that website called howbadismybatch.com where you can actually put in your numbers and find out what, what seriousness showed up with your particular batch. Now, Deborah, I noticed that in chapter two, it also has the Pfizer documents reference. So is that where, um, that, that big expose was done once the release was done of the documents. And, uh, I can't remember her name right now, who actually put together a huge group of doctors and they all looked at the Pfizer documents and found just how much was actually known that Pfizer kept from the American people.
2: Absolutely. And we really talk about that a lot in the pregnant women. And and I I remember, you know, if people ask me, why did you know the vaccine was bad? There was a slide, I think it was slide 21 that was published of all the side effects that they knew. Pfizer knew that. You know before it came out now you know we're finding out more and more but they knew about the myocarditis they knew about the clots they knew about the sudden death they knew about the miscarriages they knew about all of that and yet they put out safe and effective and one Uh of the things i want to say you know about the j and j at the conference that we just attended they didn't even address that because it's a direct vector right into your dna and they hadn't kind of figured out yet what what to do about that and i'm hoping that the people that are still alive again got a diluted you know vial because i have seen i've seen problems with the j and j fortunately the people are still alive and they seem to re- be recovering but don't you know that wasn't any better if anything it was worse okay yeah. That's and
3: by the, i'd like to just interject one other thing <laughs> before we we continue on uh, because Well, you know, most of the book, it has sort of the bad news about the vaccines, about these shots. But we also include some hope and encouragement, not just wishful thinking hope, but real hope that there is real hope uh, for recovery for those who've been, uh, you know, injured and for, you know, really getting rid of all the bad stuff. And, you know, there are ways and, um, you know, natural ways as well as, uh, you know, all things are possible with God. Um, and then again, at the end, because we, we wanted people to get some encouragement right off the bat to know that, hey, don't despair. This You're going to read some bad stuff, but don't despair.
2: I love right. that. And I, I work every day coming up with different solutions, you know, for the vax injured and the long haul. Because now, and we're not going to go into that, but with the plasmids, we're all being affected by those that were vaccinated.
0: Again, how important it is for everybody to listen to the, what just happened at the healing for the ages event. Now chapters three and four ineffectiveness and other impacts. And then chapter four is the big picture and what is in the, and what is in the vaccines. Now there was some important stuff you wanted to say to us about chapter four, Sally, what was that you wanted to make sure to bring to Mm -hmm. us?
3: Yeah, I think one of the, for me, one of the real important parts of the book is part four, which talks about the big picture that all things COVID fit into. And so it's important for people to understand that this was not at all about public health. Uh, there was a much bigger agenda that it all fits into. And so it's very important. And it's not conspiracy theory. And we've got a quote in here by David Rockefeller from his own memoirs. And you know he's one of the wealthy elite families that comes right out and admits uh, that there, is, his family is part of a cartel that is working against the best interests of the United States. And yeah, he just comes right out and admits it and that they are working, you know, with people around the world to, to have a more integrated political and economic, uh, you know, structure, uh, one world, if you will. And he comes right out and admits it and says, he's proud of it. So for those who are talking with some people and, you know, about the, this whole issue and they the other person says something, oh, that's conspiracy theory. You ask them how they would react to this uh, quote by David Rockefeller on page, I think it's 213 of our book, uh, because I, I don't know, as a lawyer, I don't know how I would respond to that. I mean, he's it's an admission against interest, we call it, you know, yeah. in the law, which well, carries a lot of weight.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that this all started by you working on a book called "Globalist on Trial." So, Miss um, Sally here is definitely somebody who's been paying attention to what's going on with the globalist agenda. So, for those of you who have an interest in that area, finding out more, it looks like she has definitely dug into this topic, and you're going to find it here.
3: Yeah, and I'm I'm still working on the update of that book, but it keeps getting put, you here. know, postponed and postponed. But it will get done one of these uh, months. Uh, but yeah, it's a subject I've been studying for years, and when I first heard about it, I didn't want to believe it. You know, it was so shocking to me, you know, to learn that a group of wealthy elites were kind of controlling everything in the world, and they were controlling all the major segments of society, you know, the media, arts and entertainment, you know, business, uh, government, you know, the whole everything, even, even the churches, uh, you know, they had their hands in the churches as well. And uh, and it's it's a real, reality we all have to come to grips with. And it's not only knowing that they have a much bigger agenda, but it's important to know what is that agenda. So we do go into that in part four, you know, in a in an over, overview kind of way. Uh, but also it's really important for people to know the strategies and tactics and ways and methods that the wealthy elites use to deceive people because, you know, masses of people have been deceived about all things COVID. And, you know, as a nation, we cannot afford for people to be deceived, you know, because it's, it's so hurtful to their families. It's hurtful, uh, you know, to our nation. And so, you know, we we wrote
0: this book to help kind of wake people up to what's really going on. And so we get into, No doubt. This is what it feels like. The truther movement, the medical freedom movement is a large part of, is it helping people, we're really trying to set people free with knowledge. And this book is doing that. And that is, and I wanted everybody to know that I'm going to have the citation in my show notes, because they actually published in the Medical Journal Gazette of Medical Sciences in 2020, um, the four part series of this book, it was introduced actually to a medical journal and published. And we'll make sure that citation is out there for people to new and recognize that this is hard hitting data with true hard facts that you cannot trust what has gone on through the last three years that the public health and people in authority led the American public to be be, and the medical community. And we want to make sure that you get this information into your doctor's hands because they're the ones that are going to be the ones that have to make the change so that they change the way that they're treating their patients and helping these vaccine-injured people coming to them. Um, you also mentioned a top vares expert, Albert, somebody who- At yeah. That he was, is he cited in this book? Yes, yes. And he
3: wrote one of our endorsements actually as well.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, um, bears, I said, vaccine adverse event reporting system for those who did not know what I just said, but he is a vaccine adverse event reporting system expert. And for those that are out there that are just learning about that, you know, to have someone like this cited in this book is going to be incredibly valuable as well. Um, l- let me just ask you this, that you mentioned that, you, that you, Deborah, and Dr. Thorpe both published early treatment protocols early. Y'all got them published in medical journals as well. Correct.
2: Right. The best thing to do would just be go to Google Scholar because the PubMed site that's owned by our government is censoring research now. So you can't find everything on it. But Google Scholar seems to be pretty clean, surprisingly. So go to Google Scholar, put in my name, COVID-19 or Jim Thorpes or both of us, and you'll see basically everything that we've published.
0: Okay, that's wonderful. All right. Also, um, these ladies are showing up at conferences, these medical conferences around the country. So they'll have a booth there that books you can actually walk away with as well. But they also regarding their book, they ha- there's a contest that they are in second place right now that we want to help get them over the top to the first place. Um, Sally, you want to tell us about how we can help y'all win this contest? Sure. And thank you so much. Uh, yeah, this is a it's technically
3: called a book cover contest sponsored by allauthor.com but it's really much more than a book cover contest because after all the book cover includes the title and subtitle and graphics kind of showing what the book is about uh and so the content we're in round four the last round that ends on saturday like around 1 30 p.m central time and we we've we got knocked out of first and into second. And, you know, the, the, the prize, the big prize for this is uh, having your book uh, promoted to several thousands of people who might not otherwise be aware of the book. And so for us, that's really important because, you know, we run into censorship on various platforms. And uh, so like, I can't, I can't post stuff about the book and have it be seen on Facebook or some of the bloggers have reported to me that they they wrote a nice review of our book on blogger.com and it got taken down. And, you know,
0: things like Amazon won't run ads for us and things like that. Well, and- we're going to make sure that inside of this particular citation in this show notes, because everybody's got to vote before September 30th. So those of you who are hearing it Thursday, you will definitely be able to vote that day and you will be able to vote and- all the way up until Saturday the 30th. Is that the last day they can vote? Yes,
3: yes. In the morning, in the morning. And if you go to my website, sallysaxon.com, sallysaxon.com, right on the front, you know, front screen, you'll see the information and instructions. And it's very important to follow the instructions because it's, otherwise it can get a little tricky. Okay. So thank you.
0: Debra, what would you say to f- people that are out there that are not medical at all? They have no medical knowledge that are potentially listening and they know that their doctor needs waking up. They maybe perceive something about their doctor that maybe could be encouraged. What would you say would be some advice for the lay person to say to their medical professionals
2: in their lives? You know, I I would just take them a copy of the book and, and just say, hey, you know, I I sense that you know something's amiss, not maybe right. And this book has citations. I mean, it's highly referenced. It, it's worth looking at because I think, especially now that, you know, things are coming out in the news that, you know, they're, they're trying to backstep and cover up, you know, and, and Florida, of course, is taking the lead with, you know, we don't take these vaccines. People are starting to wake up. And I've wakened up several doctors who were very pro vaccine by giving them the book. You know, and I mean, I've had a lot of backlash and they think I'm crazy and da, 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 but I'm turning them around. I mean, I think now more so than when we published it, it, it's more of a receptive time that they're willing to look at it because all they have to do is look at the very beginning and that's where we hit them hard. You know, and they've got to be hooked at that point or they're hopeless. That you know, is, if they, uh, if they that won't
0: such, look at it, they're I love ones. it. Yeah. Sally also with all these people that are out there that are injured, the people that feel like, oh, my time's already run out. I couldn't file for this CICP countermeasures injury compensation program. It's already over a year or um, I was unjustly fired or removed from my college position or I experienced some kind of discrimination because of my choice to not get the vaccine. What do you recommend as a lawyer for people pursuing justice?
3: Okay. Well, if they think that time has run out, um, check with a lawyer because there are many factors that go into this equation and it might well be that your time has not actually run
0: out because of various uh, issues you may not be aware of. So one of them you said was, that it was not until you became aware that it was a vaccine injury. Is that correct?
3: That that could be. Yeah. It's, yeah. So um, that changes the whole issue of how much time do they have to take legal action. Okay. So don't give up. Don't give up so easily. Make
0: sure that you might have a case after all. Do you give out your email that we could put in the citations for people to help them find access to good lawyers? Um. Well, they they can write to me that info
3: at com. We'll put that in the show notes, but uh, I'm, you know, I would only refer them to sites that have more of that kind of information.
0: Okay. We all found out that we all three were at the COVID litigation summit in Atlanta this year, and we didn't even know each other then. So that mm-hmm. was a pretty neat thing because we all agree it was a powerhouse moment and just amazing opportunity that change is coming through litigation. And we're really excited about that. And Deborah, you also have an accessible um, thing that you can, people can write to you and help.
2: What is that? It's contact at DebraViglione.com.
0: Okay. Well, thank you both for coming today. And we will make sure that everybody knows that this book is in the AmericaOutloud.shop uh, bookstore in the dot .bookstore. So please be sure to get this book and make sure you are sharing it in your community. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you very much. This interview with two of the three authors of the book that you can find in the America Out Loud bookstore, The COVID-19 Vaccines and Beyond, hopefully stands as a reminder to the Nurses Out Loud audience that each of us have a work to do in this war for truth. As Dr. Lee Merritt, former Navy physician and surgeon, orthopedic spinal surgeon, and past president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, once said, if you think we're fighting a virus, you're going to act like a victim. If you think we're fighting a war, you're going to act like a warrior. Listeners to the America Out Loud audience and Nurses Out Loud audience are the little army. We can make a difference one person at a time. And we are not a small population. You are one of up to 30,000 people who just listen to Nurses Out Loud every day. There are millions of people listening to America Out Loud all over the world. There is strength in numbers, except that you are part of a large group of people. If the Nurses Out Loud audience alone goes to Attorney Sally Saxon's website, found in my show notes, and just votes for her book cover before September 30th, they can win first place. Why should all the social media platforms win at preventing the valuable knowledge found within their book in the name of censorship? No, we reject their censorship. Go vote. It's a little thing to do. We all have primary care physicians. Get this book in their possession. The book is only $17. You don't have to know what to say. The book says it all. You can literally change your community for the better just by caring enough to gift your physicians with a copy of this book. Share content from Nurses Out Loud. Check out the Americaoutloud.shop and get what's needed for you and your family. Support businesses that stand for truth and want to empower you and your children's children. We are in a war for truth. Join the battle.
2: It's time.